feeling? Great. I couldn't hear any of that, by the way, so I thought I'd just say great. Um, becoming. What a topic. How do we become all that God would have us be? You know, so it, this is the sort of buzzword for today, isn't it? How can you be the person that you want to be? And I must confess, this out of any preaching series, that this particular topic, the more I delved into the scriptures, the more the doors just started to open and open and open and open and open. It's a massive subject, and the Bible has incredible wisdom. So I'm going to try today to give you a brief overview of where I feel God has been taking me. That's why very few notes. Um, So, Becoming. And I was thrilled that the title I was given was Becoming as Discipleship. Because really, that's what it is. It's through discipleship in Jesus Christ that we will become all that God intended us to be and will find life in all its fullness. So, scripture verse. Becoming. Next one, guys. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, as we, the Light Church, become all that God would have us be, as a church and as individuals, let our light shine before others, so that they may see our good works and give glory to our Father, who is in heaven. Next slide. Um, does anybody like AFX models? Yeah. Anybody else? Hands up. Three of us. Oh, mid-fair. I hate them. Hate them. And I remember, genuinely, Meccano, AFX, can't stand the things. I remember I had a... Pr- uh, sorry, guys. It's true. I hope I haven't blasphemed. But um, so I got one for Christmas, and I was really disappointed. Really disappointed. So I thought, how quickly can I get through this? So I pulled out the instructions. Have you seen the instructions for AFX? But 12 feet long. Yeah. What? So I thought, ignore the instructions, just have a go and see what you come up with. Look at this bad boy. There we are. Straight off the top of my head. Got the bits, bent them a bit. It's because I'm a genius. But then what I did is I had a little look, actually, at the box, and this is what it should have been. And this is a little bit about how we become. We're in little bits to start off with. I'm thinking of Fionn and Osh. And what happens is we start to get put together. Our family starts to put us together. Our culture starts to put us together. And we live in a media-saturated world. So the media is constantly telling us what we should be. And the problem is if we're not careful, they'll start to put us together. And in fact... They could end up turning us into weapons of mass destruction, my model, rather than the sports car that we've seen before us. So I thought to myself, let's have a little look in Britain and see what models that we can come up with or what strategies for making us become all that we could be. And I found one, this is the truth, I found one here in Yorkshire. You might have heard it, you might have done it, Lyndon. I'm not too sure, we'll find out in a minute. Could I have the next slide, please? Does anybody know what these are? Ferrets. So the Yorkshire Development Program, I discovered, to make, it's all for men, sorry ladies, it's for men, to make you a real man, is you take two of these demented fellas 
And this is what you do. You pop them down your underpants. Can't, it's called ferret legging. Get a couple of those bad boys. And do you know what? You have about five or six men and they stand together and it's who can stand them the longest. Have a guess what the record is. This is true. Five hours and 35 minutes. Can you imagine going to A&E and saying, how did that happen? A couple of ferrets, five hours, 35 minutes. Carnage. Now, we might laugh, but I've studied philosophy. And I'm telling you, a lot of the stuff that comes out about how you should become who you are, trust me, I'd rather put some ferrets down my underpants. I really would. We live in a world of media, so everything is detached. And I feel for our young kids here, I hope you're not offended by the the ferret thing, okay? Nightmares. I feel for our young kids, because they're brought up on digital media. Has anybody ever been? You've been, haven't you? No, you haven't. (laughs) Well, anyway, I've got a couple of those in the car, and I thought our leadership team, if we could just get them up... Enough of the ferret jokes. But trust me, our kids, social media, everything becomes artificial, detached. And hence, what do they struggle with? They struggle with a sense of connectivity. Who understands me? For us, it's all about the individual, looking inward. I shared this once. I went on a quest to find who I was by looking inward. And I went up to Lindisfarne and I, I stood there and I just went inward for about three days, and I found absolutely nothing. Nothing was in there. You'll find out why in a minute. And so we become isolated and alone. Next slide. And it, we'll skip this. This is what the art of manliness... See, I haven't made this up. The art of manliness said, this has many benefits for the modern man. It raises testosterone. Don't know what that is. It develops... His ability to thrive in high-pressure situations and harness his willpower. But can I tell you why I feel sorry for? It's not the people that drop him down. The next slide. It's the ferret. <laughs> I, can't, I can't say this without weeping. This, this is Chantel. All she ever wanted to be was a ballerina. <laughs> An Achilles injury. And look look what's become of Chantel. (laughs) So we can feel like ferrets, can't we? I wanted to be a football player. I live in Bradford. Joke. (laughs) We all have ideas of what we want to become. Like poor Chantel. But guys, sometimes the voices that we listen to are going to send us completely off in the wrong direction. Our little personality, they start to get formed and we end up becoming, and this is what the Bible tells us, we become very often, not exactly, and I love what Josie said this morning, not exactly what the creator God would have us be. And to bring it down to a serious note, I don't know if you saw the BBC website today, there was something about child um, terrorists. Would you get this slide up, guys? That's what we can become. When you start to take hold of little children and you start to warp and pollute their minds and tell them you are designed 
to do this. This is what people can end up becoming. But look at the eyes of that young child. So we need a solution. We don't need silly little gimmicks to make us whole. We don't need trivial little advice or a five little step strategy to how you can become all that you can become and become assess in everything that you do. Guys, in our culture, in our world, we need a radical program of how we can become all that we can become in Christ. And through reading the scriptures, this is what I've discovered. The next slide. Who you listen to, who you follow, and what you do will determine who you become. Who you listen to, who you follow, and what you do will be to determine what you become. So we're going to dive into the scriptures and we're going to look at how the Bible says that we should be put together and become all that God intends us to be. Now before we do that, I think there's two pitfalls that we as Christians can fall into. And there's these two. The first one, life in our Western culture is really busy. Agreed? Hands up who's got so much time, they simply do not know what to do with it. One fella here. It's always one. <laughs> so what happens is we can get into the busyness. And we're too busy to take time to be fed and led. And the Bible continually says this to us, that we must discern the voices and the spirits that shape our lives. The Great Commission said this. Christ's Great Commission in Matthew 28. Next slide, please. This is what he said to his disciples. Go out and train everyone you meet, far and near, or in my way of life. Then instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you. And I'll be with you as you do this, day after day after day, right up to the very end of the age. Becoming a disciple, becoming all that God has intends you to be, means that we stop to take time to be fed by God and led by him. The second pitfall is this. Is far, becoming a disciple is far, far more than sermons. It's far, far more than reading. It's far, far more than podcasts. It's far, far more than information. If that's all you're concerned about, it's like falling in love with an Airfix model instruction pack. We have to become doers. If everything is just up here, we end up like this fella. All we, all we do is carrying around this head. We don't actually do anything. And we're very asked to do anything. Yeah, I need to think about that. I, want to, I met people, like, I've worked with people like this, and they know everything about everything. Apart from life. Don't ask a person like this to help you on anything. They can tell you where you're going wrong, but because they've never done anything, they've got no experience. So what we have to do, our pitfalls, we have to try and marry the two. We cannot stay in the head. And we can't just be like Scud missiles. Do you know what a Scud missile is? It was a huge missile that people couldn't direct properly. It would end up coming back and blowing yourself up. So we can't just be ahead, and we can't just be a scud missiles. So this is the biblical program. Next slide. Becoming disciples. How you become all God has intended you to be is this. Number one, you become in the hands of God. 
Secondly, you become in the space he creates. Thirdly, you become in partnership with the living God. And thirdly, fourthly, you become by being enriched with his wisdom. I could have started in the New Testament. Do you know why? The term disciple, disciples, it's only found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. The gospel. Surprise. That's the only place it's found. But as I looked at what it meant and then started to look in the whole picture of the whole Bible, I started to think, this is incredible. So I want to take you back and then take you forward to see how wonderfully Christ delivers discipleship in the hands of God. Josie, you said at the beginning, creation, Genesis 1, what happens? God made a beautiful world. And then it has this wonderful image of God takes out of the ground and starts to model and shape. Think back to my AFIX model. He starts to shape humanity. And he looks at it, and it looks absolutely beautiful. And he calls it, he names it, he names it Gareth. It doesn't, he names it Adam, which means humanity, which is everyone. And he is the great designer. He knows how we are put together. He knows how we are made. And he calls us into relationship with him so he can mold and shape us into all that we can become. So guys, the first step on discipleship is to come into the hands of the God who loves you and to let him start to mold you and shape you. Not the siren voices of the world, but in the hands of God. The next thing, we need to find ourselves in the space he creates. Next slide. There in the Old Testament, we have this recurring theme of the wilderness. Have you ever looked at that, followed wilderness? So we find the wilderness is a place you don't want to end up. It's kind of outside of life. And there's jackals, and there's bears, and there's wolves, and there's no water. And the wilderness is a symbol of if you find yourself there, you will slowly die. So in Genesis 1, it says this, God created that. And there's two temptations when we're faced with the wilderness. The first one is the guy on the left. We can just curl up and hide. When we look at this world, how difficult it is, how hard we can find it, the temptation is to just curl up and stay in bed. The second temptation is to be like the fellow on the right. I'm going to be Superman and I'm going to control everything. Uberman. What you do when you end up doing that is you, control, you cannot control everything. You end up burning out and you end up controlling other people so that they feel crushed. So what God does is he creates a safe place. So in Genesis 1, it said this, he created Eden, the garden. And that's where he placed humanity. And the idea of the garden is a place where you can be nurtured so that you yourself can nurture others. That's the whole idea. And when we, when we fell, when we rebelled, we found ourselves way driven out into a place that can become very inhospitable. So the whole story of the Old Testament at New, part of that is God creating a safe place within which humanity and people can thrive. It started with the children of Israel. And the point is, if you want to thrive, you need to be in the hands of God. 
But where does he place us? He places us in a family, a safe place. We never find our becoming on our own. We find it in a community of people who support one another. Next point. Next, in partnership. It actually is covenant relationship, we call it, but I thought partnership. Guys, this is hugely important. Go back to the Genesis narrative. God didn't just create us and say, look at me, aren't I wonderful? And all we did was sit there and look at him. He gave us things to do. That's part of the DNA of what it means to be human. And in the garden, he said this, I want you to take my world, develop it, unfold it, care for it, and bring it to its fulfillment, make it fruitful. That is what it means to partner with Christ. Not just to sit there and do nothing, but to be given a mission and a mandate to go out and make this world a better place. So when we fell, think about Abraham. What was the covenant he made with Abraham? He said, Abraham, I want to make you a people who will be a blessing to the nations. Our God gives us agency. Our God gives us power and responsibility, and we are to use that to make the world a better place and to be a blessing to the nations. Guys, we'll never find ourselves. We'll never become all God wants us to be if we just sit there and be selfish. That's not how you will find yourself. You will find yourself in giving and serving and making the world a better place. That's how you will find your identity. That's how you will find what significance means. That's how you will find life in Christ and life in all its fullness by giving and serving. And the next last one, enriched by his wisdom. Right there in the Genesis story, we find when we read Proverbs that there was a certain person there. She was a lady. Does anybody know her name? Wisdom. Lady Wisdom was there in the garden with God, weaving her wisdom throughout the entire creation. And this lady... What other, what other one thing do we know about this lady, Lady Wisdom? She's, what's that? She's wise. The other, she doesn't stop talking. She doesn't stop talking. She shouts in everything. You want to understand about relationships? Lady, lady Wisdom talks about it. You want to understand how to live a good life? Lady Wisdom talks about it. You want to understand about the intimacy of relationships. Lady Wisdom talks about it. And do you know how much she talks? I love this passage. Have a look at this. And I think this is one of the things I would like to challenge every single one of us on today as we go forward and try and be disciples. Let me read this. Isaiah 28 in the monosodium glutamate translation. Listen to me now. Give me your closest attention. Do farmers plow and plow and do nothing but plow? Or harrow and harrow and do nothing but harrow? After they've prepared the ground, don't they plant? Don't they scatter dill and spread cumin? Plant wheat and barley in the fields and raspberries along the borders? They know exactly what to do and when to do it. Why? Did they make it all up? What does Isaiah say? Their God is their teacher. Next verses. 
And at the harvest, the delicate herbs and spices, the dill and cumin, are treated delicately. On the other hand, wheat is threshed and milled, but still not endlessly. The farmer knows how to treat each kind of grain. He's learned it all from God, who is wonderful in counsel and excellent in wisdom. Guys, lady, wisdom shouts and she speaks. And what we need to do is rediscover. The old reformers said God's word comes out as three ways. First one is in the Bible. Second one is in the life of Jesus Christ. And the third one is in the creation. And what wisdom says is you need to listen to what is going on in the world and have a look and see what wisdom says about how you can deal with it. So a disciple is always alert and thinking about how they can be a blessing to the nations. I'll give you an example. It was a privilege to work many years ago with John. And we used to laugh because we used to say, we're, we're always thinking. We're always thinking. But what a disciple does, if it sees somebody struggling in debt, what does it do? It thinks, how can I release somebody from the chains of poverty and make them whole? And then they're constantly looking for ways in which they can bring healing. How do you run a food bank, Josie? You need lady wisdom on your side. Constantly thinking, how can I, how all you volunteer, constantly think, how can I make this the best possible experience for the people come into this building so that they can experience the love of God? You're constantly thinking. You don't just turn up or I just do this. You're constantly alert. How can I bring healing? How do we do job clubs? How do we do release groups? When we see young children who are struggling, how do we do early intervention? Guys, we need disciples. We need people who are constantly alert to the voice of wisdom which says, try this. I think it could be this direction. I think it could be that. Next slide. Does anybody know what these are? Phylacteries. And what were they? Yeah. Totally wrong. And oh, you're totally right. Just thought I'd uh, make you feel uncomfortable. <laughs> you can do that when you've got a microphone. Exactly. Those were God's laws. And the Jews, it's the interesting, they, they tied them onto the forehead and onto the wrists. Why? Because God's ways, God's laws, lady wisdom is supposed to guide everything you think about. And why do you tie it to your hands? Because God's laws, God's ways, lady wisdom is supposed to guide everything you put your hand toward. And the other thing they did is they put them in the doorposts of the houses. We had a Jewish fellow in my town and he had a lovely one in his door. And when he left his door in the morning, he would touch it and walk out into the community. Why? He's on the Lord's business. He wants to bring God's life-giving laws every day into the world. That's what it means to be a disciple, to be guided by God's ways. Next slide. Now guys, it's all in Christ. Normally we start with Jesus Christ, don't we? But I thought this time, as I read the Old Testament, I thought, you know what? In many respects, when you start in the Old Testament, you get to see just how rich 
And how wonderful is Christ when it comes to giving us life and life its all its fullness. Because what Christ does is he takes the Old Testament. What does he do? He completes it and perfects it. So the first thing Christ does, he comes back for his people. He doesn't just give us words. He doesn't just leave us on our own. God once again steps into history. And what does he do? He starts to take a people. He called them disciples. And he drew them to himself. And he said, look and learn from me. Because I am humble of heart and gentle in spirit. Take my ways upon you. And you will find life. And then what does he do? He starts to redefine some of the old laws that we find difficult to get our heads around. And he starts to set upside down all of the values and the laws of his contemporary culture. You have heard it said... An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. What did he say? But I say to you, if somebody strikes you on the right cheek, show them the left. If somebody demands you to carry their cloak, go the extra mile. We find the Sermon on the Mount, the parables pointing out about a new way of life defined by radical love and radical generosity of spirit. He gives us a new way of being that is designed to bring life the next thing in his body so what does the safe place become now it was the the children of israel where people found their safety and identity where do we find our identity now it's in the body of christ that becomes the safe place that becomes the agent it's no longer a geographical area it's no longer a particular ethnic tribe. The safe place is being found in Christ. And the wonderful thing about this is it's a body. And what does a body do? It doesn't stay in one place. It's on the move. This safe place, the body of Christ, has arms and legs and is going out into the world to do what? To take the wilderness and turn it into a garden again. Those are the prophecies of Isaiah and of Ezekiel that one day, one day someone would come. And do you know what would happen to the wilderness, the place which is dark? All of a sudden life-giving water would start to flow out from the presence of God into the wilderness to make it new. Next slide. This is the image of God's safe place. Even in the most dangerous of places, the safest place you can be is on mission with Jesus Christ. Even in the most dangerous and darkest of places, the safest place you can be is on mission with Jesus Christ. And that's why he sends us where he sends us. The body is on the move. And lastly, John 20. Just before Jesus Christ leaves, what does he do to his disciples? next slide he breathes on them he takes us right back to Genesis 1 when God took humanity and breathed life into it just before Jesus left he took his disciples and breathed life into them and said through my power and through my agency go 
and make the whole world new. So my challenge now for me, my challenge to us all, is if we want to become all that God intends us to be, we need to put ourselves in relationship with him. We need to be led by his ways and his wisdom. We need to get out into the world as active covenant partners and do everything we can to make new creation wherever we are found. And in doing that, that's when I think we'll find out who we truly are and find life in all its fullness. Amen.